Last week we started uh, looking at this phrase that's been used in the Church of the Brethren for a number of years now, continuing the work of Jesus peacefully, <coughs> simply together. And we looked at continuing the work of Jesus peacefully last week, next week together. This week we're going to focus in on simplicity. And for a lot of us, especially in our culture currently, simplicity is maybe the one that we forget about or is easiest to shove aside in the way that we go about living our lives. So I want to take a look at this text from Jesus this morning and look at how we might uh, live a different kind of life completely devoted to Jesus. <clears throat> but would you pray with me? Before we begin, Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and to open your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Would you speak to us this morning through me or despite me? In Jesus' name, amen. The passage that Lee read this morning out of Luke is another passage from the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is one of the, the central teachings of Jesus to a movement of people that have been interested in going back to Scripture and really finding Jesus and following Jesus in very practical ways. The Sermon on the Mount has been a central text to our life as Anabaptists, as the Church of the Brethren. We've focused in on what Jesus has to say. This section of scripture comes shortly after the Lord's Prayer that we prayed earlier. And we prayed in that prayer for daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. It's an echo of the story out of Exodus where the Israelites are in the wilderness and they have grown hungry and, and they cry out, they complain to Moses for food. And so Moses goes to God and asks for food. And God says, I will provide for your needs daily. And he sends manna. Manna means what is it? They just find this food in the mornings. And God gives them very specific uh, guidelines for how they're supposed to collect this food. They're supposed to gather enough for each day. They're not supposed to hoard it and, and start collecting it and accumulating it for, you know, Midnight snacks, they're not supposed to be uh, taking more than what their family needs. And on Friday, the day before the Sabbath, they would be given a double portion. They would receive enough for, for the next day so that they wouldn't have to go out and work on the Sabbath. What we find is a God who cares for our needs, who looks after us, who knows what we need and provides. So it's Look at our text this morning. Verse, verses 19 and 20. <clears throat> Jesus begins with telling us not to store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather to store up treasures in heaven. What's interesting about Jesus is that Jesus doesn't just talk about the kingdom of heaven being just a place that we go in the future. It's not just a place that we go when we die. But rather, it is a reality. It is God's reign and rule here and now among us. And then continuing into the future. 
heaven is the place that God rules. Jesus says elsewhere that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God has come near. And so as followers of Jesus, we are about the work of the kingdom of God. So storing up treasure in heaven is about valuing the things that God values. It's about valuing the things that make a difference in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus spells that out about caring for people, helping the poor and those that have been taken advantage of in our society. It's about helping one another in in what we used to call mutual aid, caring for one another's needs. Uh, Historically, the brethren uh, really came to each other's rescue often if if a, a home was was damaged in a fire or families were in need people came together we have parts of that still alive in our in our church in the way we have the the family support fund for those families that maybe are are struggling through a, a hard financial time there's other ways that we can come and we can pull close around one another through really hard times proclaiming The kingdom also means proclaiming the good news and living the good news to those around us. These are some of the ways that we can be storing up treasures in the kingdom even now. Then verse 22. There's this interesting phrase that happens uh, in the text where Jesus is talking about the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, you have light. You can see. If your eye is unhealthy, you're blind. You can't see. So what does it mean for us to have healthy eyes, to see in the way that God sees? It means to have a single-minded devotion to God, to be looking at the world in the way God looks at the world, to have compassion on the people that God has compassion, for us to have unhealthy eyes is to look with jealousy and greed at the things around us or to look with lust at the people around us. The interesting thing is when we look lustfully at people, we turn them from being a person created in the image of God, we turn them into an object. It's what it means to have unhealthy eyes. In verse 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. The King James Version uses the Greek word mammon there. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon was meant as as wealth, but it became the, the personification or the deification of money, of wealth, of objects, of status, of fame. And so it was trying to to run after those things rather than pursuing God. Jesus says you can't do both. You can't run after God. You can't be completely devoted to God and still be chasing all of these things. You can't do it. You have to pick God or mammon. The early brethren emerged in a time of extravagance. They saw kings and princes and nobles living very extravagant lives. While many of the commoners went around and lived at a very subsistence level, just 
having their basic essentials. And so as they went to Scripture, as they looked back at what Jesus had called them to, they believed they needed to live simple lives, to get rid of pursuing the fame, the fortune, the wealth, the objects, just to focus on Jesus. And so they often rejected using titles even for one another. They would call each other brother and sister. They lived simple lives, dressing very plainly. David was talking about that earlier. They adopted the garb, and so the men would wear you know, pla the plain suits, uh, plain black, and uh, without the tie and buttoned-up collar and certain hat. And the women would wear their, their dresses, and they were all very plain. Which, you know, some Sunday mornings when you get up and you're not sure what to wear, or other mornings you get up to wear, you know, maybe that would be nice for us to just all have the uniform. I'm not suggesting we go back there. <clears throat> they lived simply so that they might express their complete trust and devotion to Jesus. They lived simply in order that they might help one another. They would come to each other's rescue and aid. And as they began to follow Jesus in a very radical way, because they practiced adult baptism, which was illegal at the time, and some of their other beliefs and practices put them at odds with the government, many of them started to lose jobs. They started to lose wealth. And so they had to come and support one another. They had to care for one another. They also lived simply so that they might care for the needs of those around them. They lived simply in order to keep from being too influenced by the culture around them. Now we've come a long way from the garb. We've come a long way from the simple meeting house uh, that David was kind of describing earlier. But materialism continues to be a very real threat to the church. There were other ancient sages in the ancient world that would talk about denying ourselves. Talked about getting rid of material things. But they often did it because they believed that material things, flesh and blood, objects, were evil. Some of the Greek philosophers taught that. But Jesus doesn't believe that the flesh and the blood and the material things are evil. No, God created them and then looked at them and said, this is good. Jesus doesn't come to uh, condemn flesh and blood. He comes to redeem it. So he doesn't think that objects or, or wealth are inherently evil. But he does critique the way that we prioritize these things in our lives. The way we just are driven to have the highest paying job, to have the, the highest status, to get that promotion. And when those things are driving us and motivating us, that is what mammon is. Jesus says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus tells other stories about those who prioritize their own wealth and status over the welfare of their neighbor or over the, their uh, 
over God. One time Jesus runs into this guy with a lot of wealth, and the guy says, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He's asking good questions. He seems to come really wanting an honest answer. And so Jesus says, well, you live, live out the Ten Commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, honor your mother and father. And the man says, this is great. Because I've done all of these things from the time I was little on up. Jesus says, you're still missing something. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the text says, the man walked away sad because he had great wealth. He hadn't committed murder. He hadn't committed adultery. He hadn't told a lie. He had honored his mother and father. But one of those other commandments, having no other God before me, was in his way. Because he valued his possessions. He valued his wealth too highly. And it says he went away sad because he knew he was going to have to part with that which he held most dear. I would love to know the end of the story. Because he goes away. And Jesus doesn't run after him and say, "Ah, I was just talking metaphorically. You don't really need to give it away. No, for this man, this was his God. This was in the way. I would love to know how he wrestled with that in the days to come. I'd love to know, was he ever able to part with his wealth? Was he ever able to really pursue God wholeheartedly? I wonder if Jesus showed up in Hershey this morning. What he might say to us. How might he look at the way our culture and our society lives? And how might he look at the way we as the church live? Historically, the brethren and the early church wanted to live very different lives from the culture around them. I wonder sometimes if we don't look very much like a culture that is driven by wealth, driven by promotion, driven by keeping up with everyone. Has that impacted our church? How does our desire for wealth drive us? Or maybe it's not wealth. Maybe it's busyness. Are we, do we think we're more important than other people because we keep a full schedule? And if I've got a full schedule, that means a lot of people think I'm important and I'm really needed. Maybe that's the thing that gets in the way. For the early brethren, simplicity emerged as a protest against the status quo. It it emerged as a, a protest against the opulence among the nobles. Perhaps we need to recover some of that simple living. I believe there's a a space for a church who questions the materialism and and the narcissism or the the self-centeredness of our culture that says, 
I, I think we need to live in a different way. I think we need to pursue the kingdom of God first and foremost, not worry about all this other stuff. There's a need to speak about the freedom of living more simply and allow more space for God to speak, to create meaningful and rich relationships with one another. Relationships that often suffer because we've got the phone and, and, the, and the tablet and the TV on. We've got the computer on. We've got jobs that we have to do and we don't have time for relationships. As a church, we need to think about living in a different way. How might we reduce the clutter of objects, of wealth, of schedules in order that we might have healthy eyes to see the world the way God sees it, to focus on the kingdom of heaven, to build up treasures of the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of mammon. You know, we moved a couple of months ago. Do you know what's still sitting in our garage? Boxes. We moved boxes labeled yard sale because at the time of year that we moved, we didn't have an opportunity to have the yard sale before we moved, and we've still got that stuff. And we've got boxes. We, we had a, a nice big storage room in our house and we filled it. It's got stuff in it. Some of you have been moving and right-sizing. I've heard that term. I like that term. You've been moving in and I've heard from a number of you about how much stuff you've collected. Our lives are filled with stuff that we don't need. So much stuff that has accumulated. And you know, a bunch of us are running around all over the place with hectic schedules. We've collected so many activities. And some of us seem to be on the job almost 24-7. And if I stop working, stuff won't get done. In theory, we want to slow down. We want to reduce the clutter but I think we're also afraid of what might happen if we slow down. Things won't get done. Maybe I lose out on income. But maybe I have to wrestle with the silence. Maybe I'm afraid of being alone with God. We need to free up our lives. Free up ourselves to be present with those around us. See, our stuff isn't evil. Our jobs aren't evil. Earning a living, taking care of your family, saving for a home or for education, that's good. But we cannot serve two masters. It's either God or mammon. So this morning I want you and I want us to examine our own lives and to look at all the places that have gotten cluttered. Where can you get rid of some of the stuff and begin to live a simpler life, focusing just on Jesus, to have healthy eyes, to see the world the way God sees it?
Simplicity means that sometimes I have to learn to say no. But the good news, the gospel to you and me, is that the world is not reliant on you and me. You and I are not the Savior. And so the world will continue on just fine if we rest. It's The Savior is not you and me. We don't have to trust our own work, our own effort, our own wealth. The good news, the gospel, is that the treasures of the kingdom of God, they don't rust, they don't mold, they can't be stolen, they can't be destroyed. The good news, the gospel, is that God does give us daily bread, that he provides what we need when we need it. we close our time of worship this morning I invite you to stand and turn in your brown hymnal to number 713 which is seek ye first would you stand <laughs>